solo mente. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Friday, so you know we're going to go out with a bang. Welcome into the Locked On Texans podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am none other than John, some sports guy, Hickman. Of course, I'm joined by Cody Davis today. We will also be joined by Brandon K. Scott. Before we get into the Houston Texans, I want to let you guys know about Peacock and Williamson, the podcast. NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson Host Locked On's Peacock and Williamson every Monday through Friday. Brian and Matt give you the national perspective all around the NFL, covering all the latest news, insight on every game, team, and move around the league. Get your picks, previews, and much more every weekday with the Peacock and Williamson podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Of course, as I mentioned, I wouldn't dare think about doing this show on a daily basis. Without my boy, Cody Davis, welcome in what we got for today's show. Well, John, you already alluded to it. We will be joined by Mr. Brandon K. Scott from Sports Radio 610 to get his opinion, to get his thoughts on everything regarding the Houston Texans, more so their first preseason game that took place on Saturday. And of course, we're going to do a little, uh, a quick preview of tomorrow's game against the Dallas Cowboys. But to get this Friday installment of Locked On Texans kicked off, John and listeners, we're going to discuss which veteran players need the most snaps against the Cowboys on tomorrow. Now, for you guys who don't know, during David Cully's media availability on yesterday, he does expect the potential starters and more veteran players to receive more snaps against the Cowboys on tomorrow. As you guys remember, in their preseason opener against the Green Bay Packers, a lot of the presumed starters and a lot of the veterans on this team did not see a lot of playing time against in Green Bay. But John, when I take a look at the veterans who might need the most time on tomorrow, I'm taking a look at one guy. Vernon Hargraves the third, and the reason why I'm picking him, he only played 15 snaps against the Green Bay Packers, recorded only two tackles. I don't think he is one of the players who is on the bubble of making a 53-man roster, but I'm eager to know the improvements that we have seen throughout training camp. Is it true, not only for Vernon Hargraves but for the Houston Texans? And when I take a look at Vernon Hargraves. That would give the Texans four quality cornerbacks that they can use throughout this 2021 season. He needs to get back to the player that he was during the 2019 season. Because remember, John and listeners, when we first got Hargraves, we thought that the Texans got something special. Then, of course, last year, like everybody on this roster not named Deshaun Watson, struggled. Yeah, I absolutely like uh, you rolling out with VH3. And the reason why I agree that he needs, you know, a lot of snaps this weekend is because I think Houston needs to find out how they're going to use him, right? Like we know Desmond King is going to lock in and solidify himself as the slot cornerback, but for 16 games, and I'm only saying 16 games because now we have 17, right? We can't really trust from what we've seen Hargraves to play 
the outside corner. So, you know, he could be in a position where he is used as that nickel dime where we need four corners on the field at one time. He can be used as a dime corner, as a nickel corner, whenever you want to get Desmond King out the game. But one thing about it is he he and Houston need to come to terms of what he is to this team, right? You can put him on the field defensively. Can he make some plays for you and be valuable for you on special teams? But for me, Cody, I got to tell you, so the hype around this offensive line, if we're being honest, has died down a little bit. Why? We have not seen whether it be practice or the first four, the first preseason game, we have not seen this uh, team at full strength at the offensive line, with the offensive line unit, I'm sorry. They just let go of uh, Roderick Johnson because they really like Charlie Heck. And I'm looking at Charlie Heck this entire preseason game on Saturday, right? What, well, what, what I, I'm sorry to cut you off. Speaking of Charlie Heck, I did see a much better version of Heck throughout this week of camp, especially and I, and in I run blocking. Yes. Uh, I, you know, we had our conversations out of uh, outside of the show in regards to Charlie Heck. Saw a couple of plays that he was making at training camp. So it, we can say that maybe, you know, with, with Johnson gone, maybe Heck feels more comfortable about making his roster. However, I need to see this against opposing players, and I need to see this in variations of different snaps. Like, I need to see this consistently because Johnson was – very valuable for Houston in the last couple of years. And now he's gone and you are going to feel that role. Also, not only are you going to feel that role of what Johnson could have been for Houston off the bench, you're going to feel that role possibly of, we don't know what Marcus Cannon and Lane Taylor's availability going to be come week one. And they still not ready. I watched them. I I watched them ready. I watched them yesterday alongside Deshaun Watson. I do want to add, get a good workout on the third practice field. And that practice field is, is reserved for players who are trying to come back from an injury. So and Deshaun's not coming back from an injury, by the way, but uh, so heck may be competing for the start right tackle spot. Okay. This weekend, you're going to play against Dallas. The, the game is going to be electrifying because anytime these two teams meet, it's always fun, whether it be preseason, whether it be regular season. But I'm really interested to see, can he hold down that right tackle spot? And for how long will it be a problem if it be a problem? Or can he be, you know, a temporary solution, a permanent solution? We don't know, but you got to see him play. Some football, baby. I also want to add that Whitney Merciless is a guy on this team with all the uncertainty surrounding him. Can he make that transition and be successful at it? Um, he's a guy that I'm looking forward to playing this Saturday as well. He's able to play. He's going to be out there. Is he going to take up space on this roster, or can he actually provide something for this team defensively? Before we move on and get to the talking sports, talking Texas with Brandon K. Scott, I want to take this opportunity to shout out my boy Cade. My boy Cade hit me in the DM, gave the gave a show a shout out. Uh, but we also had a, a personal moment, man. I will not get into it, but I want to tell you, Cade, man, that meant the world to me. I hope you're listening right now. Continue doing what you're doing, brother. Continue rocking with the Locked On Texas podcast, and I'm going to keep rocking with you. Guys. 
Did you get that summer body you wanted? No, probably not. Sometimes it happens, right? But you still like to enjoy snacks. You like a good snack. Well, Bill Bar is your answer. Nine delicious flavors, coconut, raspberry, mint brownie, strawberry, cookies and cream. If you haven't tried all the flavors or you want to go ahead and see if you like this flavor more than the other, get that mix box where you'll get two of each of Bill Bar's nine flavors. The best part about it, not only are they the best tasting, but they're healthy too. Each bar has 17 to 18 grams of protein, only four to five grams of sugar, only four to five grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. Order today and get that grasshopper cookie or that raspberry or whatever you like. Go to build.com and use promo code locked on and you'll get 15% off your next order. Use promo code locked on for 15% off at built.com. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen, with this Friday installment of Locked On Texans, which means we have our brother, Mr. Brandon K. Scott from Sports Radio 610 in the studio with us today. Brandon, what's going on, my man? Feeling good. Looking forward to this Governor's Cup. Texans, <laughs> Cowboys for the weekend. You know, got, got the little in-state rivalry thing going on. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm here for it, man. I'm doing good. What about y'all? But speaking of the preseason game against the Dallas Cowboys, um, Brandon, you were standing right next to me when David Cully announced that he is expecting um, a lot more of the veterans and the presumed starters to get a lot more reps on Saturday. Brandon, me and John had this conversation. I'm going to ask you, too. Who are some of the players you will want to see, some of the veteran players that you would like to see get a little bit more snaps during tomorrow's preseason game? So I have a few. I'm going to start with Mark Ingram, you know, just because I want to see what that looks like. We didn't get a look at Mark Ingram, so, you know, in the first game against the Packers, so that's toward the top of the list for me. And then – from there, I'm going to go with the offensive line, obviously save for Laramie Tunsil because he's on the COVID list and will not be available. But I don't know if there's a unit that benefits more from these preseason games than the offensive line, especially with them trying to hodgepodge everything and, and move people around in positions and have some new pieces. I think it helps them a lot to be able to get as many reps as possible and especially against, you know, a, a non-Texan team, against somebody other than their own teammates. So I would go Mark Ingram individually. The offensive line, I would say, more so collectively as a unit. And then if I went to the other side of the ball, I would say the defensive line and the cornerbacks. Uh, you know, I'm trying to figure out, is, is, is Brandon Dunn not long for this team? Because to me, he seems to fit to be more of a 3-4 defensive tackle, the body type, the type of player that he is. I see, I don't, I don't know if Brandon Dunn makes this team, but I know how much they like him. Like, he is a favorite in the locker room and amongst coaches. So I'm trying to see if it's going to be, you know, between him and Jaleel Johnson and Vincent Taylor, these guys that they got up the middle. I want to see all of them and figure out how that competition is going to shake out as we get into these next uh, couple of weeks and get down to cuts. And then in the back end, you know, we've seen Tremont Smith, We've uh, we've seen Tavier Thomas quite a bit in practice, and I'm trying to figure out what's going to happen with that. Like, who's going to be on the back end of that? Like, who's going to be this year's Keon Crossing and Vernon Hargraves or whatever it is? Uh, obviously, Keon Crossing's gone, and I don't expect John Reed to be long for this team either. So those are just a few of the names that I'm looking looking at to see 
how do they look in preseason and where do they factor into the depth chart, if at all, on the team? You know, you spoke of the uh, competition, but what area of this team are you the most confident in going into this game against Saturday? I'm probably most confident in the wide receivers, but I'm only mildly confident in the quarterback situation. So, and obviously the, the receivers cannot operate <laughs> without the quarterback and, and certainly cannot do well without good quarterback play. Um, but, I mean, that's that's where it's at for me, man. Like, aside from the defensive line that I just mentioned, which I, I, I am also excited about um, and, and just intrigued by, I think that there's more talent in that wide receiver room than I was willing to give it credit for before I got to camp. You know, obviously we know what Brandon Cooks brings to the table, but I hadn't laid my eyes on Nico Collins yet. And, you know, I, I don't think I was sleeping on Chris Conley, but it's just been good to watch him. And he was he was somebody I was more impressed with, obviously, in the Packers game, in the first preseason game. So if there was a unit I was going to say that I'm most confident in, it's actually the wide receiver group. And it's just going to be up to Rod Taylor to kind of just steady the ship, not get a bunch of balls batted down, um, and, and, and trust his mechanics, trust his legs. And and let's see what Tim Kelly does with the play calling and how he puts them in a position to do to do what they do. You know, I'm glad you mentioned Tyrod and Tim Kelly. That's actually where I was going to go to next. So that's quite funny. You know how how do you think those two were paired together? Not only in this preseason game, but I kind of you know I want to know what you think for the entire season. You've been at practice. You you've seen how uh, Kelly has constructed this offense a little bit, even in preseason game one against the Packers. You saw a lot of three step five-step quick drops where he's able to get that ball out quickly and not have to do too much. How do you think they're going to be uh, for this entire season? Do you think that Tyrod is going to have an issue in this offense, or do you think that this offense and Tyrod can potentially be a match made in heaven considering what we saw from Tyrod the last few years? I think that what we saw and what you just mentioned about the three-step, five-step is just really consistent with what they told us early on in the season, or I should say in OTAs, before before we got here. You know, I actually asked Rod what type of offense or how how did he envision this offense running? And, he, and at the time, he said it would be, you know, get the ball out quick, quick routes, um, you know, and, and making quick decisions. And we've seen that. I think that's going to be pretty consistent with, uh, with what we've seen and what we will see throughout the year. Um, we won't see as many deep shots, obviously, as we did with Deshaun Watson because – you know, Deshaun Watson had a special talent in that area, and that's not necessarily what – I'm not going to say necessarily. That's just not what Terod does. So, but as far as Tim Kelly pairing, I think I've told you guys this before, what I like most about it is that, you know, he's got fresh eyes, new influences, like Pep Hamilton and David Cully around him. And I just think that that helps him grow exponentially as a play caller. Uh, now, I do think that they're going to be limited with Terod Taylor, but if they can stay consistent and just play to his strengths, and I think they understand that, to play to their strengths and don't ask guys to do things that they don't do or, or can't do, I think it can be pretty good. Um, you know, I was talking to, let's see, I was let's see, I think I was talking to Vernon Hargraves on Thursday about this, kind of just asking about, you know, uh, what, how the coaching staff is factored in to how differently they're playing right now. And I know this is on the defensive side of the ball, but just as a staff period, as a unit, it seems to be a lot more collaborative. You know, the exact phrase that he used is that, you know, it's not a dictatorship here. 
In other words, saying it's not a dictatorship here anymore. You know, and, and Tim Kelly, I think we all agree, was handcuffed to a large degree by Bill O'Brien in what I think some people might fairly consider was a, a bit of a dictatorship type of regime from a coaching standpoint. So I yeah, think that just, Tim I don't Kelly, mean to cut you off. To your point, we saw this offense elevate last year once Bill O'Brien was going under Tim Kelly. That, so that's, well, that's exactly, a great point. To, exactly. Exactly. We saw it elevate with Tim Kelly not being handcuffed by Bill O'Brien. Now I think the added element to it, fellas, is the, the fresh eyes, the new experiences, the, the, the new influences on the play calling and how they view the offense, you know, formations and all of that. Like just just what they what they do philosophically. I mean, I don't, I don't think enough can be made of the change on the, the offensive line coach with James Campen coming in and them actually coaching the offensive line. I think all of this is going to factor in and is going to help Tim Kelly know what he has, realize his personnel, and try to make the make the most of it. Brendan K. Scott, everybody, at Brendan K. Scott on Twitter. Make sure you give him a follow. We'll let you guys know about that time of year again. Yes, your eyes are now tuning into the football season as teams are back on their grind, ready to start the NFL season. And as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including the half million dollar NFL mega contest and the $200,000 NFL survivor contest. Open now at Bet Online. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 100% welcome bonus. Be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo. Make a bet on Thursday, September night, season opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. If you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25. You guys are not going to beat that. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports from football, basketball, boxing, right to horse racing. Don't wait and take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Betting on the Houston Texans or any of your favorite team in the NFL doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Best podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked On Best podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get podcasts. Welcome back in, listeners. Before we close out this Friday installment of Locked On Texans, once again, we have with us Mr. Brendan K. Scott from Sports Radio 610. You mentioned in the last segment, Vernon Hargraves talking about it's no longer a dictatorship here. You go back earlier in the week, we heard from Ross Blacklock, we heard from Whitney Merciless, you know, guys who was a part of this organization last year, and they all talked about the culture, how how better the culture is. Brandon, from what we are hearing and from what you and I are seeing in training camp, how much do you believe that Bill O'Brien was actually the problem that the Texans had and not more so Jack Easterby? I'm not saying Jack Easterby doesn't have any blood on his hands, but I kind of I find it a little bit ironic that a lot of these players, like Hargraves, like Blacklock, like Merciless, they're coming out talking about how how happy everyone is coming to the stadium now 
to play for the Houston Texans versus last year where it seemed like there was this dark cloud over the franchise. And I also want to mention, as you and I see every single day, Jack Easterby is still around this organization. I find that a little bit funny and odd. I think Bill O'Brien was definitely a big part of it. And uh, Bradley Roby was another person that talked about it being different. Uh, but, yeah, man, I mean, Bill O'Brien was a big part of it. But we got to remember, Bill O'Brien was fired after week four. They played more of a season last year without Bill O'Brien than they did with him, right? So we knew that Bill O'Brien wasn't the only thing that was the problem. I also don't think that Jack Easterby was the only problem. I think that you had segments of the team, certain players on the team that probably didn't like his involvement with the team and how, how up close and personal he was. Um, but you had others that, that do like Jack Easterby. So it's probably a split decision on his influence on the team and whether it's good or positive and how people feel about it. I think, that, you know, when you get in art, the articles that are written about him in Sports Illustrated that were written last year, it's real easy to, to key in on that and say, hey, this must be the source of the problem. Now, I don't know how big of a problem necessarily it was interpersonally and behind the scenes. I know that there were problems. Couldn't tell you the magnitude. But, you know, the biggest problem with Jack Easterby was the decision-making. You know, that was the odd part about him sticking around and Bill O'Brien getting gone. It was like, I mean, I thought this was a tandem type of deal. And I thought it was both of these guys to help run the organization into the ground or at least bring it to where it is now. But obviously we know that Jack Easterby has a very tight personal relationship with Cal McNair. And he's largely responsible for helping them get Nick Casario here. Like he's the bridge. He, he in a lot of ways, he, in a lot of ways, is the plug. So I, I think, but to answer your question, to go back to your point, Cody, I think that there's more to it than Bill O'Brien and Jack Easterby. I think that if you look into the locker room, there were some locker room issues, just as much as there were coaching issues. Like there were mm -hmm. things that were reported, right? The the, the you know JJ White and Bill O'Brien going at it at practice. Mm -hmm. Bill O'Brien and, and Anthony Weaver going at it at practice. You know, all of the Jack Easterby exposés that we heard about. All of that is on the record, and we know about that. But what we didn't get a good sense for, and they'll never, I don't know if they'll ever just come out and just tell you, name names and tell you exactly who. But I, what I don't think we got a good sense for until just now and recently at training camp with the returning players, the holdover players from last year, was that there were locker room issues. Mm -hmm. Player to player, you know, interpersonal locker room, player to player issues. Some guys are going, you got 50 something new players on this roster now. And you know the ones that are gone now. So you can kind of add it up and figure, okay, there was more to it than the coaching. They just weren't vibing as an as a entire unit. The locker room, the players, the coaches, management, everything needed to change. Now, has it changed for the better? Time will tell. They'll tell you right now it has and that they feel good. And I think that when you change personalities, when you go from a David from a from I'm sorry from a Bill O'Brien type to a David Cully type, you know that's normal. You know cyclical where you go from a different type of personality to the next type of personality head coach, and to feel good about that change, especially if the last guy or the last regime left a sour taste in your mouth. So yeah, Jack Easterby is still there. I think his role is a little bit different, but obviously still influential and still there and in the mix every day. Um, and who knows? Who knows how much he's learned? from last year, if at all, uh, how involved he should be, what he, the things that he should say and not say, and that sort of thing. 
So, um, I, you know, I think the, I think the major influences, instead of it being Bill O'Brien, Jack Easterby, Romeo Cornell, and there is a substitute teacher, you got like an actual culture now. You got actual leaders now, for better or worse. And Brandon, um, you know, speaking of the culture change, I think we all can agree that David Cully has been a big portion of this change. What has been your impression of David Cully throughout training camp and even um, after he coached his very first game as the head coach of the Houston Texans? I like Cully, man. I really do. Like, I don't know how mm-hmm. good of a head coach is. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to try to sell y'all on, you know, he's the next Vince Lombardi or anything. But I do like Coach, I do like David Cully as just kind of a steady hand. Like what I've learned about him, I'll tell you is this, is that all of that fluff stuff in the beginning where we just thought, Oh, this is just a nice guy who doesn't know. He knows what he's doing. Like he, this guy knows football. And I do feel like he's somebody who can be encouraging and positive And at the same time, hold you accountable for Mm -hmm. everything. And I do feel like he's that type of coach. I also feel like more than anything, and this is this kind of speaks to the point of me not trying to oversell him as this football genius or football coach. I think he is going, he's hired well, and I think he's allowing his assistant coaches to do their thing. Man, to do and, their thing. Like, like uh, you look around and you see all of them to a man coaching the hell out of their position groups. Robert Prince, the wide receivers coach. Dino Vaso, the the second or the 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 cornerbacks coach. Mm-hmm. We all talk about James Campin. We know Pep Hamilton's out there doing his thing. Like I think he I think he's been empowered. Of course, Lovey Smith is a legend, even though a lot of us have questions about whether his defense is outdated. But from a leadership standpoint, he's got personalities out there that are hold the players accountable, demand a lot from the players, but at the same time, show them respect and treat them like men. And I think that they can all appreciate that. I appreciate that as well. You know, we talked about the coach, talked about the previous coach. I just want to ask you this really quick question before we get up out of here, man. Yeah. Are you happy that Cal McNair is not a focal point with this team anymore? Because when you think about it, last when we when the season ended, all the way up until uh, maybe about four months ago, give or take, Cal McNair was in the news a lot. We, you know, we, we've seen him do awkward interviews and trying to make funny when it wasn't a funny time. Now it's strictly about football, right? Cal yeah. McNair has not really been mentioned, which is a good thing in my opinion. Are you happy about that? I think it's good that I think the less he speaks publicly, especially when there's controversy or conflict, you know, and, and a lot of people want to hear from him, demand to hear from leadership, the owner, in times like that. But that's not really his bag. I think we learned that if we didn't know it already, we've learned that over the past year. Hell, over the past two years. You know, the, the, the moment I learned it was when they fired Brian Gain and when they told us they was going to have a flat organizational structure. And I was like, I don't know what that means, and I don't know who told you to say it, but they got to go, and you should never talk like that again. Now, behind the scenes, Kyle McNair is a lot less awkward than he is publicly. He's just kind of just a regular dude. And I think it helps that they have public faces now. You know, when it was new and before we got to training camp, especially last year, man, last year was just such a disaster. But I think I'll say this, though, about Kyle McNair. And the reason why, like, he's out of the news, but it's still kind of in the backdrop. 
like until the Deshaun Watson situation gets resolved, traded, whatever happens, he kind of is, even though his name is not necessarily on it, he kind of is in the backdrop of this drama because the whole trade request stems from whatever conflict Deshaun and, and Cal have with each other. And I think that I think that's going to be a stink for a while until people are able to finally just close the book on the Deshaun Watson chapter of the Houston Texans. I think that once that's done, Calvin Nair can really finally start to try to earn back some goodwill from the public. But for now, I do think it's good. It's good that he be as, you know, least front facing as possible. Brandon K. Scott from Sports Radio 16. Brandon, really quick, where can our listeners follow you at on Twitter? Man, follow me at Brandon K. Scott on Twitter. Also on Instagram at B. Scott from Hiram Park. I noticed that y'all, when y'all put out clips and promote the episode, that y'all tag me on Instagram, and I appreciate that. And so I'll tell y'all this real quick. Twitter is where you hit me up and find, you know, all sorts of commentary on the Texans, sports in general, you might get a little bit more than that here and there. And Instagram is where you really get to see how your boy kind of live, what I'm really just kind of like as a person. So y'all and I do and I do some some work there too. You know, I mix it in a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, man. So y'all just hit me up at B at B Scott from Hiram Clark on Instagram, at Brandon K. Scott on Twitter. Love mixing it up with Texans fans. Um, we always get great feedback on these, and I appreciate y'all for listening. Also, I do the B-Block podcast, and if you like this one, you'll like that one. We've been on a little bit of a hiatus because of the schedule, but we'll be getting back into the thick of it as football rolls along and really as the year rolls along. You know, I do more stuff with Houston Sports there with the Astros and the Rockets. So y'all come holler at me, man. I'm John from Sports Guy Hickman. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Locked on Texans. Take time out. Like us on Facebook. Go right back to Twitter. Follow me on Twitter at some sports guy with two Y's. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y, D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. And before closing out this latest installment of Locked On Texans, have a little bit of breaking news. According to Aaron Wilson of Sports Talk 790, the Texans have cut veteran defensive tackle Brandon Dunn. Wow. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is yeah. uh, uh Brenda, are you Nostradamus? Uh I probably have some of the same the, a similar contact and could have found that out. But I'm I'm here kicking kicking it with y'all, you know <laughs> what I'm saying, talking to the people. So that was just that was just in the dome. I'm glad that that was uh that, that was I had a little foresight there. I want to add that Brandon Dunn is one of several players that received a ridiculous contract mm-hmm. from Bill O'Brien. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace. You are Locked On Texans, your daily podcast on the Houston Texans. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.